Uh, well, let's go to prayer before we get into the Word and bring up the house lights. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time together. And we are blessed that uh, we can gather together in your name. And we're thankful that uh, just we could be here to encourage one another to uh, continue in your ways, Lord, and to learn more about you. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, help us, Father, to focus on you this morning and what your word has to say as we kind of look in on the, the Christmas story, as it is called, and what uh, really happened there uh, in Bethlehem, at the birth of Jesus. And so we pray, God, that you would uh, just quicken our hearts to understand the truth. And we also want to take this time to lift up our church family and friends uh, who are not feeling well, who need your healing touch. We just pray, God, for your, um, your healing power to be poured out on them. And uh, we also just pray that you would help us to see what our role might be in helping them, God, be in the hands and feet of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we, this is our second week going through this series uh, called The Dawn of Redeeming Grace. And we've also been, uh, some of us have been reading along in the same devotional with the same name. And uh, this week kind of focused in on some different uh, readings about uh, Mary and Joseph. And um, now Matthew's gospel, kind of in verses 18 to 25, kind of has more of a focus on Joseph. So we'll be spending a good bit of time talking about Joseph, and, but, but uh, we'll also be talking about Jesus, okay? Uh, so both of them. Now, let me just read out loud this passage. Again, I'm going to turn with my back to you. I'm sorry about that. Um, there's our title slide. All right, so let's read this aloud. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved uh, to divorce her quietly. Uh, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now here's a quotation from the Old Testament. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she said, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, I don't know how many of you read this passage. Um, I've read it a number of times, but there's always something uh, different that I, I get out of it. Now, one of the things that, that really strikes me here is the, a number of things that we learn about Jesus. There's quite a few things just in those few verses that clue us into who Jesus is. And so uh, let me just kind of highlight some of those uh, for you here. So what do we learn about Jesus in this passage? Well, one is that we learn that there, Jesus' birth fulfills some prophecy. Okay, Jesus' birth fulfills some prophecy, meaning in the Old Testament, right? 
uh, the prophets of God spoke forth a time when the Messiah would come. And at different times, God gave them words uh, to tell others about the Messiah's coming, right? And so uh, a couple of those, one was having to do with that the Messiah would be born of a virgin, okay? And so it says Isaiah, in Isaiah 7.14, it says, the Lord, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. So that's Isaiah 7.14. Um, one commentary mentions that part of the purpose of the virgin birth of Jesus is to show us that salvation does not come from man, but comes from God. Salvation is wholly a work of God. You see, Jesus came to save us from the penalty of our sins, that we might uh, be able to be with God forever, but our sin has separated us from him, and Christ came to save us. That's why he was born. That's why he was crucified. And so, you know, this virgin birth took place uh, as a means for God initiating with us a relationship, okay? I think it's important for us to see that. God is reaching down to us. He loves us, and he, by sending his son Jesus, right, in the form of a man, uh, you know, through the virgin birth, which, you know, uh, let's, just, let's just admit that. That is just, how does that happen? I don't know, but it did, okay? <laughs> That's just it. Um, uh, so, so there's nothing we can do to save ourselves from our sins. So God had to come down and do it for us. Okay. Um, last, I believe it was last week I mentioned that verse in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrated his love for us right? in that while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. He, God has initiated by sending Jesus down. God has initiated and shown us his love through what his son had to go through. Okay. So um, now the other prophecy that's fulfilled, that's mentioned, or that, that is alluded to in this passage, is the location of the birth of the Savior, right? And that is Bethlehem. In Micah, which is one of the prophets in the Old Testament, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 4 says this, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that's talking about the Messiah. Again, Micah chapter 5, verses 2 and 4. So, so just in these few verses, we see, hey, this birth is taking place right here. Obviously not a normal birth. It's a virgin birth, right? Mary hasn't been with a man, okay? And yet she is, uh, has conceived a child, it says, by the Holy Spirit, now, what else do we learn about Jesus from this passage? Uh, the names given to Jesus tell us a little bit about who he is. Okay? Uh, so, in verse uh, 18, it's, it mentions, uh, you know, the, just obviously the word Jesus. Okay? Now, lots of people had the name Jesus, okay? But not many people were called Jesus the Christ. Okay? This one, okay? I mean, if you came out and said you're Jesus Christ, because... Um, well, let me, I'll get to you what Jesus means first, okay? But, but Jesus means God is salvation. God is salvation, all right? And, um, and so, uh, but Christ means the anointed one or chosen one, all right? So it's like the Greek equivalent, because the New Testament was written in Greek. It's the Greek equivalent of, the, of saying, you're the Messiah, okay? To say, to say you're the Christ. To say you're the Christ is to say you're the Messiah, Right? 
So Jesus Christ tells us that, you know, this person named Jesus is coming to save us. He is the anointed one by God, the Messiah. Okay, so his name means something. So, you know, Christ is not his last name. Okay, some people mistakenly think that, you know, Jesus Christ. I mean, kind of makes sense. It's two words, right? Kind of like Greg Berlisle. No, you know, it's not. It's, it's, it's the title, right? He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah, right? Okay, <clears throat> now, uh, what else can we know from the, one of the other names that's mentioned here is Emmanuel, right? In verse 23, <clears throat> that's mentioned there, right, right? It's part of that quotation, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a, uh, bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And then in, in parenthesis in my Bible is what it says, which means God with us. Well, what do you think that tells us about Jesus? Jesus is God, okay? Okay, Boop. How does that work? I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's true. I'm not making fun of it, but, you know, our human brains, that does not compute. The God-man, fully God yet fully man, and by the way, both fully necessary, okay? Both fully necessary, that he be fully God yet fully man. You can, I encourage you, read the Gospels. See that Jesus has all the attributes of a human, okay? He hungers, he thirsts, right? He has emotion. I mean, just uh, all of these attributes of personality. But yet then he demonstrates his deity in a number of situations. He knows things, (laughs) right? He knows things uh, uh, about people, even what they're thinking and saying when he's not present, right? And he heals people and all these things. So, just fascinating, just amazing. So just know this, you know, God with us, and, and we need it, <laughs> okay? We all need God with us. And by the way, the beautiful thing is now is if you, if you put your faith in Christ, okay, he sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. Again, another thing that's just, how do you get your head around that? that God, in a sense, God, the Holy Spirit living in you. But God is with you then, in a very special and real sense, if you know Christ as Savior, okay? You have God with you. In, in a, I say in a special way because, you know, yes, God, by, by mere definition, is everywhere, right? He knows everything that's going on. But uh, for a believer, for someone who's put their faith in Christ, you have what um, Paul says is like you have a guaranteed deposit to put in you, and that deposit is called the Holy Spirit, and he's your helper. We need help. I need help. You all know that. So is my wife. She knows I need help. But we need help in a greater way than just the normal need help sense. We can't save ourselves, right? So we need a Savior. Okay, so, so just these couple of references to Jesus' names tell us a little bit about who he is. I think this is fascinating. Just in these few uh, verses here. Now, uh, what else can we learn about Jesus? Well, uh, Joseph, uh, can we just call him Jesus' adoptive father? Because he's not his biological father, okay? Um, but uh, that he, his, uh, so Joseph is called a son of David. Uh, did you catch that there when, when the angel speaking to him in the dream? That she said, uh, Joseph, son of David. That's important, okay? That's really important because... Um, in the scriptures, we know that the Messiah is going to come from the line of David, from the house of David, right? From a descendant of King David, okay? And so 
here we have an amazing uh, merging of two lines. You've got Mary's family line, and then you've got, and then you have Joseph, who legally, uh, let's just say in, in our terms, legally adopting um, Jesus. So now he has all the same legal rights as he would his actual son. So now Jesus would be considered a son of David. That's fascinating to me. You've got how God worked all this together, right? And so the, though even Jesus was not um, Joseph's biological child, uh, he is nonetheless now in now the son of David line, which is what needed to happen for someone to be Messiah, right? And so, so that's just uh, fascinating to me that uh, all of this that we can learn that Jesus is in the right lineage to be uh, the Savior, right? The names given to Jesus tell us who he is, and Jesus' birth fulfills prophecy. Jesus, this is not, this is just like touching the surface of the prophecies that were made that Jesus' life fits, right? Uh, and, and, you know, they've done statistical analysis on what is the probability of, of just, you know, a handful of these prophecies being fulfilled in one man's life. And it's just astronom- astronomically uh, crazy that it could be fulfilled in one person, okay? And so, I mean, you really have to come to the conclusion, right, if the Scripture is true, and I believe it is, okay, that Jesus is the Messiah, okay? Jesus is the Messiah, the one come to save us from our sins, all right? Now, so, uh, with that, uh, I, I want to focus in now just on, on Joseph here. We can we can learn some things about Joseph and his reaction to this news, okay? Um, now, did you, did you pick up on the fact that at the very beginning of the passage that we read here in Matthew chapter 1, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Okay, now we don't do betrothals around here, okay? But my understanding is that with a betrothal, um, you know, t- typically the path would be is that, you know, the parents would arrange this marriage, and then, um, you know, this would probably be done early on in their lives, and then at some point they would enter into this betrothal period, which is like the equivalent of making marriage vows, but not consummating the marriage physically and not living together yet. And the betrothal period would be about one year. Okay, so they're betrothed, but they haven't been physically intimate. Okay, and they're not living together. And so it's it would be common for for them to be considered man and wife just by name. Okay, but you don't realize they're not. They haven't had. They have finalized all this. So, but that's what betrothal is. So, so this they're betrothed, and so what's happening? You got to put yourself. Um, try to put yourself in Joseph's place for a second. I mean, not not to mention Mary. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> that's a whole other message. But I'm just saying today for Joseph, and this is what Sinclair Ferguson tries to do in his in his devotional is saying, you know, put yourself in his place. You know, um, you were certain she's a godly woman, uh, but now you've got this news that she's pregnant, and we only know that that only happens one way, right? And so. Um, so he's, <clears throat> but the scripture here says he's a just man. Um, 
he's a man of God, but yet he's also, we see his mercy coming out here because he's like, you know, you could just imagine, he loves Mary. He doesn't know what's going on, but in his heart, he's thinking, well, okay, well, I will just divorce her quietly because that's what this would be. A breakup at this point would be a divorce. So he's thinking, I would divorce her quietly. He doesn't want to make a big public uh, spectacle of this. Uh, and, and this would be uh, why he would want to do it quietly. So, and God knows, obviously, what's going on in Joseph's mind. God knows the thoughts that he's having, wondering how could this happen, you know, and so on. But the, the word tells us here in verse 20, it says, speaking of Joseph, but as he considered these things, so he's, he's trying to work it out, man. He's trying to figure this out. Like, well, not only what should I do, but how did this happen? And you know, what's my future? What's her future? All that, I'm sure. But it says, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he has this dream, and an angel is appearing to him in this dream, right? And, and telling him, it's, he said, uh, the angel says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Right? So the title of this message is Good Fear. Right? And it's really this the pointing out that Joseph was a man of God who feared God, and we see this healthy fear of God demonstrated by his actions and what he does. First of all, you I mean just realize this fact that um, he he's he's fearing God because he doesn't want to do anything wrong. He's considering divorce because he knows that it wouldn't be right if she's had sexual relations with somebody, and you know this is just not right. So he he really wants to honor God, and so uh, he is fearing the Lord. So, all right. So um, Joseph was a person who feared God. We see this in verse twenty because how do we know he feared God? Well, he did say, obviously, the, the angel says, "Don't be afraid to take her as your wife." So he must have been afraid to take her as his wife because of wanting to honor God, right? And so, uh, this is important for us uh, to, to get a handle on. Um, Sinclair Ferguson mentions one thing about just his thoughts on a, a fear of God. He said, what does it mean to be a, a God-fearing person? And one thing that he said I thought was good, it says, a reluctance to do anything that would grieve God. I thought that was good, just a simple thought, you know, just a reluctance to want to do anything that would grieve God. That's what it means to fear God. And so Joseph was that way. Um, this is a good fear. It's a healthy fear. In fact, all throughout the Old Testament, uh, we certainly see people expressing fear of God. Um, but some people think that's just an Old Testament thing. No, it's a, it's a, it's a Bible thing. Okay? It's just people that love God also fear Him. Okay? And I know that's strange, I think, probably to our society today. They don't feel like, you know, is that really healthy if you fear that person? Well, if you're God, it is, okay? <laughs> He's the only one that can claim that spot, okay? Um, but listen, in Acts chapter 9, so I'm going to give you three references here we're going to look at. Acts chapter 9, just talking about the fear of the Lord demonstrated in the New Testament. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. So they were walking in the fear of the Lord. They were walking, they were, that's just, you know, to walk 
In this way, it means this to, um, it just means to live your life. You're living your life in a way that you don't want to do anything that would grieve the heart of God. Okay? All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. In the fear of God. And then lastly, 1 Peter 2.17 says this. It's kind of these little quick commands. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So fear God. Peter's giving an instruction there. Fear God. Right, so the angel is appearing to Joseph to let him know it's okay to take Mary as your wife. We know that you fear God and that you would have concern for this, but know this, that What's been done to her has been by the Holy Spirit. She hasn't broken any of God's commandments in this way. She loves God. You know, just giving him this assurance, okay? Um, and so, uh, he's, they're just, you know, the, whole, the, the angels are saying, listen, this is the plan of God. You need to take her as your wife, okay? Now, let's just stop for a second. Joseph is a person who feared God. What about you? Do you have a healthy fear of God? Do you, do you, want, do you live, um, there's a phrase, I think it's Latin, see I'm not a big language word, quorum deo, I think it's a Latin phrase, before the face of God, right? That's what that means. Before, so living your life before the face of God means, uh, kind of like what Sinclair Ferguson said there, right, which was a reluctance to do anything that would grieve him. It's like living your life as if God were there with you every moment which he is, <laughs> right? That's, that's what it means, really, to live a life. So do you care what God has to say about how you relate to someone else, you know, how you treat someone else? Do you care um, you know, how your, if your physical relationship with you know, uh, someone you know, is appropriate, what God says about that? Or what about finances? You know, are you handling your finances in a way that honors God? And I don't just mean like giving to the church. I just mean... Lots of other ways the scriptures talks about handling money, right? Um, how you spend your time. Is it honoring to God? So all of those just kind of throwing out some practical ways to think about. Uh, am I living my life in a way that is um, God-fearing? Because I, I think that Joseph obviously is a great example. He wasn't perfect. None of us, none of us no human is perfect. But he did want to do that which pleases God. And that's what God wants for us as followers of Jesus. He wants the same for us. Okay. Now, Joseph welcomed Jesus into his life. What do I mean by that? Well, I just mean like he didn't just cut tail and run. Okay. What, what did he do after he woke up from the dream? Um, verse 24. When Joseph woke up from the sleep, it doesn't say, and he ran away. It says, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. He took her as his wife. He just, no questions. We're doing this thing. I don't know what that means. I don't know what the future, I don't know what everybody else is going to be thinking. You know, I mean, all that stuff would be going through your head, I would think, right? Um, but he just, he just said, you know, so, so he welcomed Jesus into his life and he allowed God to direct his wife, direct his life. I want to, I want to unpack that just a little bit, okay? So how do we know this? So, um, the first thing is, I guess I don't have it up here, but I had Joseph believed this message that Jesus could be born this way miraculously. In other words, he embraced this. 
He couldn't have said, oh man, I must have just had some bad pizza the night before. That wasn't a dream of from God. You know, I mean, it just, no, he just, he just believed it, right? Well, think about this. Um, here's someone who from his uh, very young age, because he's Jewish, would have been taken to synagogue and would have heard Genesis taught regularly. And that Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And uh, I think they would have understood that, you know, that means that he did it all. Uh, and we know uh, from studying those words that are used that it means that he created out of nothing. I've mentioned this before, right? How many of you have created something out of nothing? None of you. We all create things out of things which already exist, materials, right? Some kind of materials. God can do things which we cannot do in terms of creating things. So, so Joseph, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking, here's a, here's a man who's a, who loves God, grew up uh, in the synagogue, and believed in the, the creation of the world out of nothing. So he's probably thinking, well, God can do anything. This is certainly in the anything category, right? Uh, that Mary could be with child and not have been with a man. This is amazing. And so Joseph believed this message that Jesus could be born this miraculous way. It's just his faith was there, and he believed God, right? Um, and you know what? And not only did, does Joseph have to believe this message, you and I do too, okay? Um, and this is one of the great things that, that uh, this time of year uh, affords us with the opportunity to talk uh, just, again, directly about um, uh, our need in the, um, to embrace the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and why he came, right? Will you welcome Christ into your life? Will you allow him to have his way in your heart? Uh, will you see that he's come um, to save you from your sins? And will you embrace that, right? And I hope you will. If you haven't done that, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus, have not admitted to him your need for forgiveness from God, um, we all do, whether we want to say the words or not, we all do. Um, and so um, I just think that we, we just need to, we need to believe this Christmas story. It's true, whether you want to believe it or not, but, but God's done it for you and for me. And G Joseph believed it, we need to believe it too. Now, another uh, reason I think here that we can see that Joseph welcomed Jesus into his life and allowed God to direct his life is just that <clears throat> Joseph's life was radically changed with the birth of Jesus. Now, um, I don't know if you have children in your household, if you're a parent or whatever, uh, children do change your life. They're certainly true. I mean, uh, my life's not been the same since having our three kids. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a wonderful change, but uh, it is hard too, right? I mean, it's, let's face it. I mean, you're basically saying, I'm going to die daily. <laughs> I, I don't mean like literally, but in, like yourself, you know, just kind of forget yourself for about 18 years. And I don't mean in an unhealthy way. You know what I mean, though? But, but just, that's kind of it. You're kind of putting your agenda aside uh, for these little humans uh, because you love them, because they are God's gift to us, right? But, but that's really, it really is a sacrifice. Um, I've always said that, you know, having children, if the Lord does bless in that way, is, is a way for us guys to grow up again, right? Or, or to grow up at all, 
Maybe I should say that, right? Uh, because you are having to, if, if, you want, if you're going to be a loving husband and a loving father, and uh, as, as, as best you can as a human with God's help, is you're going to be setting aside things that you would normally do for the sake of the family and so on. So, so Joseph's life radically changed. How do we know this? Well, if you keep reading on after this, well, um, Jesus is a target. Okay, right? Someone wants Jesus dead, right? So God says, going to have to move the family, man. You're going to have to go to Egypt, right? You're going to have to flee. And so because uh, Joseph's uh, adopted son is the Messiah, right, There's, this is changing everything. And um, so his life radically changed. And uh, choosing to welcome Jesus, Jesus into his life, really, um, it cost him. It cost him. Uh, now, as, as believers now, Right, if you if you put your faith in Christ, there is a cost that comes with that. Have you read those passages that talk about right to take up your cross, right? And those passages that just uh, you know, like the one I, I thought about here, which Jesus talks about. He told his disciples that it was going to cost them to follow him. This is John fifteen verse nineteen. If you were of the world, he says, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world. But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Those are some tough words, you know, uh, if we really understand what they're saying. He's saying, if you want to follow Jesus, not everybody's going to like you. Right? And in fact, they will hate. some people will hate you. Um, and in some countries, some people will kill you. Okay? And that's true. This happens every day. Right? And so, so this is... Uh, you know, this, this following Jesus, this welcoming him, him into your life as your Savior, obviously has some incredible out-of-this-world, can we say benefits? <laughs> I don't like to say that, but I can't think of another word. But, you know, the blessings, incredible blessings, maybe better, forgiveness, relationship with God, uh, Holy Spirit, uh, wonderful fellowship with other believers. I mean, these are all gifts from God, right? Um, but... Also, there is a cost, and that's why Jesus talks about counting the cost of following him. Okay? He's like, I want, to know, want you to know what you're getting into. I want you to experience my love, the Lord says, but I want you to know what you're getting into. Okay? So this invitation is before us today, but we have to realize that it's going gonna, it's gonna, to um, cause a change. There will be a change. Uh, the Apostle Paul talks about this. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Verse 10 to 12, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. Now that's a kind of a strange turn of a phrase here. But he's really saying what I was saying before about, you know, as a parent every day you're kind of dying to yourself. And, and whether you're a parent or not, you know, if you're in a relationship with, I have a friend or whatever, we sacrifice at times for one another. We lay down, in a sense, our lives, maybe not literally, but, but our time, our talents, it's for others, right? And this is kind of what Paul's saying. He said that in, as, as he ministers, as he lives his life for God and proclaims the gospel of Jesus, he says he's always carrying in his body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies, it says. For we who live 
are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. In other words, this is all in the cause of Jesus. right? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. This is the, this is the mystery, okay? As you live your life for Jesus, as you welcome him into your life, and, and this will cost you and you will... As you even just to, to love other people the way Jesus would want you to love them or to, to serve them, to share the gospel with them, whatever it might be, there's going to be a dying happening in you. But on the flip side, you will experience the life of Christ. You'll experience his life flowing through you and, and uh, outward from you to other people. And so, uh, yes, you're, you're dying to yourself, but Christ is being manifest, meaning more of him is coming out in you. I think it's almost like what the um, John the Baptist said, right? Less, um, he must increase, but I must decrease. Speaking of John the Baptist's ministry, he's like, I got to step out of the limelight, and Jesus has got to step in. But um, us taking that into our lives, this means, you know, more of Jesus has to come out of me, which means less of me is going to have, you know, I'm going to have to um, take those things my selfishness, and they, it's got, you're, we're a continual project, okay? Because we're, none of us are ever going to arrive at the putting uh, to death our self and our selfishness uh, because our flesh is just in there. But, but we can grow in it, and we can become more Christ-like because we have the Holy Spirit, okay? And so um, the whole point in bringing this up is that you know, this, this was life-altering um, decision by Joseph to believe the word of the Lord that came in the dream. And uh, it was, came at a cost. And us following Jesus also comes at a cost. But also having the blessing of the life of Christ being revealed in you. Okay? I know it's a mystery. It sounds strange that you know, death and life could be happening in the same being. But that's what happens. And by the way, oftentimes that death, that, that, that loss or things that we have to give up for the sake of others, it, gets, it brings life to other people. That's what it does. The life of Christ goes out to other people. Now, the last thing I just want to mention here, just that fits under that category of Joseph welcomed Jesus into his life and allowed God to direct his life, is that you know, Joseph, he responded with quick obedience to the message of God. Right uh, after he woke up from that dream, and to say, "Well, let me sit on that for a while. Let me think about it." You know, uh, which I may have been tempted to do. You know, uh, but but it just says, you know, like I like I mentioned before, when he woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord said. The angel of the Lord commanded. He took uh, his wife, but knew her not. That means they didn't have a physical relationship uh, until she had given birth to Jesus. And then it says he called his name Jesus. In other words, they went with the plan. They were told, you're going to name this kid Jesus. It's not, you're not going to get the, the baby naming book. Okay? His name will be Jesus. Okay? That's it. Hey, I wish we had had that. You know, Lord, tell us the name. Right? But so he, he obeyed the Lord. I think this is just a great example. Um, he, he just quickly obeyed. You know, and I was just thinking about this um, for myself. It's like, okay, when I read something in the scripture and it hits my heart, or I hear a message preached, or I read something in a Christian book that is, is true and resonates with my soul, do I act on that, or do I kind of forget about it? I tend to forget about it, 
or I don't always act on it. Um, and, and I think that what, <clears throat> just my two cents here now, when we have our daily devotions, I do look for a nugget from God, something from God, from his word that applies to my life. And I hope you do too. And I say, okay, today, Lord, I, I, what I want to do is say, today, Lord, show me where I can put that into practice. Right? Or could you even write a sentence that says, this is how I could apply this today. Right? To kind of be quick to obey, quick to put it into practice. It doesn't mean that you're always going to do that every day, that you're, you're always going to perfectly do that thing every day, but just, this is what the Lord's given you today. Right? Um, act on it, right? And uh, this reminds me of what uh, James tells us in the book, uh, his, his letter, uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25. says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. So this would be like, how would we apply this? Well, you're hearing a message today from the scriptures. God's getting his truth out. I'm just a mouthpiece. Okay, and so he's telling us things through his word, right? And God's saying, listen, you've heard some truth today. You've heard truth today. What are you doing with it? What are you going to do with it? What will your action be? Okay. He says, don't be hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Isn't that interesting? If you don't take action on what God shows you, we tend to be deceiving ourselves. He says in verse 23, James chapter 1, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Okay, so now we're getting a word picture. He's like, if you're, if you're the hearer but not the doer, you're like the person looking in a mirror. All right? And it says, he looks at himself and goes away at once and at once forgets what he is like. In other words, if you're just a, a listener of the word of God and not a doer, not a looking to put anything into practice, he's saying like, you know, when you look in the mirror, you, you see that little, I've got a little blemish right here. I, it's like an aging spot, I'm going to guess, you know. I don't know, what is that? Anyway, right here. And I see that. I look in the mirror. I go away. I forget it, which is kind of nice. <laughs> but it's still there, okay? Um, you know, you know more about me than you wanted to know. <laughs> Pam liked that, I think, a little bit too much. Um, so, so he's saying, though, it's like the Word of God is your mirror. And when you come to it, like whether it's today in the public preaching of the Word or where you sit with God by yourself in your Bible at your home, the Word of God is reading you. It's your mirror. It's showing. If, you're, if you uh, come to it with open hands and an open heart and a, and a heart that's hungry and saying, I want to hear from you, Lord, in your word. He has spoken. It's right here. And he shows us something, right? Something about us or some truth about him to believe. Sometimes it's just a truth to believe. Sometimes it's not something to do. It's something to believe. And he's saying, will you believe that right now? Or, or, or maybe it's maybe he's uh, shown you the verse there in Romans where it says, "But as but as uh, much as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men." And you're like, "Oh, you know, uh, you're not at peace with so and so. Why don't you do something about that? As much as it depends upon you, right?" And so, and so he, he's saying that the Bible is like the mirror, and if we don't take action, it's like the mirror, and that we put it down, we kind of forget what God showed us. 
But then he says in verse 25 of James chapter 1, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being, uh, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. Isn't that cool? You'll be blessed in your doing. I think God says, <clears throat> looks at us, and he shows us whatever that is he wants us to do or to believe, and when we step out and do it, he blesses it. Okay? You may not know what the blessing is. It might not be tangible to you, but there's a blessing. That's cool, isn't it? That God, he blesses our obedience. It's not that we, we, um, he loves us more because of obedience, okay? Because we don't always obey, okay? But, but when we do, when he shows us something and we step out and act, it says you'll be blessed in your doing, all right? And I think that's a good word to end on, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for uh, the record that we have here in the Gospels. Um, these are like, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are like four biographies of Jesus' life. And, and we are focusing in on the first couple of chapters of Matthew's Gospel. And Lord, we thank you for this true and accurate record of the birth of Jesus Thank you, God, that we have everything we need here to see Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the King of Kings. He comes through the light, the, the correct royal line. He is God come to be with man. And he became one of us for our sake and then was crucified for our sake. And Lord, if that's not the ultimate blessing, I don't know what is. A blessing that's there for us if we believe it. Father, help us to be ones who are like Joseph, who take you at your word, are quick to follow it, obey it. Lord, forgive us for when we don't. And um, Lord, help us, God, also just to welcome Jesus into our lives. Lord, if, if there's someone here today that has never done that, has never put their faith in Jesus and who the Bible says he is. If you believe now today uh, that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the one who's come to save us from our sins, and you know and acknowledge that you sin, that you do things that are wrong, that are against God's will, and then you, do, you if you recognize Christ for who he is, you just need to say, Jesus, I want the forgiveness that you offer. Please, Lord, let that be applied to my life. And you put your faith in what Christ has done on the cross and why he came. And you will be um, among the family of God. And so, Lord, we thank you that uh, the scriptures tell us that uh, uh, it, it's a childlike faith. It doesn't have, you don't have to like have, uh, in, in a sense, great faith. You, you have to have a childlike faith that he's just going to believe what the word of God says about who Jesus is and why he came. Father, we just pray that you would use us this Christmas season. Use us individually, use us as your church family to spread this good news of the gift of forgiveness that comes in the package of Jesus Christ. Amen.